Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Well, this morning I want to minister something to you that uh, the Lord laid on my heart has been uh, challenging me uh, with. I will once again repeat to you that oftentimes, in fact, most of the time, uh, sermons that preachers preach are really secretly, they don't want to tell you this all the time, but it's what God's dealing with them on the inside. But I, you know, I will tell you that. I will tell you that God has dealt with me in this subject. And so I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm looking forward uh, to this service today because I believe God's going to help some of you. Can you say Amen. And so let me ask you a question as we get started. And you can be turning over to Hebrews if you have your Bibles with you. Unfortunately, our technology, technology is wonderful until it don't work. Amen. And then when a computer decides that it wants to go into a update mode, there's not a whole lot you could do. You can pull the plug. You can hit it with a hammer. You're not going to change it. Uh, the reality is you just got to... In fact, it's kind of a living example of what we're... Because the title of my sermon is Never Give Up. And so <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of going through an illustrated sermon here. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And so let me ask you this question um, this morning. Have you ever gotten so exhausted from waiting for God's promise to come to pass that you were tempted to say, just forget it. I've waited long enough, and I'm not going to wait any longer. If that's you, you're not alone. Because there's been a lot of people over the years that have voiced those words, and there's been a lot of people in the Word of God, men and women of God that changed the world, that there were times in their lives where they came to that place where they said, you know what, I have been waiting on God far too long. This should have happened a lot sooner. Can you say amen to that? David uh, writes in Psalms 13 something that is what I think quite startling. He says, uh, starting in verse 1, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? I, that, just those two phrases, I, I love them because I love the rawness and the realness of the Word of God. And here's David. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I'm shaken. This psalm catches my attention because it is so real. And it is so accurate to how we feel many times. I, I don't know about you, but I have felt what he's feeling. Can you say amen? And he seems to be asking a question that we all wish we could ask. How long, oh Lord? How long? And it, all of us, I think, at some time or another have come into that place of dark discouragement where we have been shook to our core and we've wondered, dear God, how am I going to get out of this? In fact, Job in chapter 30, verse 20, he says, I shout for help, God, and I get nothing, 
no answer. I stand face to face in protest with you, and all you give me is a blank stare. I love that. You, you say, well, that's not very encouraging. No, it's encouraging to me because they are voicing things that I have felt. They are voicing things that I think are real because sometimes in the Christian life, there is struggle. Can you say amen? I think sometimes we, the, the, the tendency is to uh, promote Christianity as if every problem is just going to miraculously fade away in the wind, but it is actually Jesus who said, in this world you're going to have tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In other words, it's not the tribulation we face that's dangerous, it's how we go through it. Can you say amen? Because it is coming into your life, but we've been guaranteed some things, we've been guaranteed that he will not leave us or forsake us, that he will hold us with his righteous right hand, that he has given us the strength and the ability to stand. The subtitle of this sermon is, it's a, the sermon title actually is Never Give Up Because You're Stronger Than You Think. The truth is you are stronger than you think. So many times when nothing makes sense, when we cannot seem to get a grip on our circumstances, we cry out to God, we look to our heavenly Father, and we sit in silence waiting for heaven uh, to answer and no response. No response. And we become frustrated, we become vexed, even angry, and our faith is challenged because we are struggling. And we want to look up into heaven and scream out, don't you see that I have a problem? Don't you see? And in these times of silence, in these moments when it feels like nothing is happening, when we feel vulnerable, helpless, and empty, we can understand how David felt in Psalm 13. Can you say amen? And there is no doubt that David is feeling something real. Commentators believe that David is actually on the run. He's either on the run from Saul or he's on the run from Absalom. Things aren't going well. The crazy thing is David has been anointed king. And ever since he got anointed king, he's been on the run. I mean, here, he's a king without a palace. He's a king without a kingdom. He's a, he is the rightful anointed king. But yet he can't rule, he can't enjoy the benefit of that. In fact, he is threatened over and over and over and over again. His life is being threatened by people that ought not to, to do that. They are people that actually care about him. Saul loved David, but he hated David. The reality is, is there's this dynamic that's going on and it's very confusing and David's having a hard time. And if you can relate to this message, then I believe this message is for you. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 35 and 36, the Bible says this, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of patience, or you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, when you consider our text, and you really do a Bible study, you take some time to study this out, and, and you get the context of the whole book of Hebrews, this text shines even brighter. Because the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers. They were, these were Jewish people that had come into a place of salvation. They had found Jesus as the Messiah. They gave their lives to Jesus. And as a result, 
they were being horribly persecuted, not only by the Romans, but by fellow Jews as well. Many were returning to Judaism because they just couldn't take it. And the remaining people that were sticking to the stuff, as it were, they're wondering if they had made the right choice. You have to understand that this is something that's, it, that was extremely complicated in the day. I mean, you got to think about this for a moment. Here, here Jesus comes on the scene, and it's one thing for him to be the Son of God and saying, hey, you got to trust me, and you know, I'm going to change everything, because he had the power to back it up. Amen? I mean, he, you know, he raised the dead, he healed the sick, he multiplied bread and, and, and the fish, and he did all these things, and it seemed like he could do them effortlessly. It seemed like there was no challenge to him, and, and then he even raises from the dead, and so somewhere along the line in the midst of this, he is the Son of God. He is, he is God himself. Can you say amen? Even though he's walking in the flesh, there seems to be a dynamic about him, and so it, it, it's far less complicated for him. But then now the disciples, they become apostles, and they're going to go into all the world and they're going to preach the gospel, and they're going to tell all these Jews, hey, guess what? Don't worry about Moses anymore. Don't worry about going to the temple. Don't worry about all those sacrifices. And hey, all those feasts and all that stuff you used to do, don't worry about that. That's all passed away. God's gotten rid of this, and you need to follow Jesus. I mean, this is, this is a controversy. This is tough duty. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's like if I came, can you imagine what would happen if I came in here with a new doctrine? I've come in here with biblical truth, and because it touched on people's traditions, oh, that's another sermon. Here they are, they're coming at this, and they're, they're not, we're not talking about they're coming against some tradition, they're coming against Moses. I mean, Moses was the man he was the dude. He's the lawgiver. He's awesome. And, he, and they're going, yeah, not so much anymore. Don't worry about him. Now what you need to do is pay attention to Jesus. And all the, some of them, all they knew is he died. Some of, some of them didn't witness or know that he had raised from the dead. And they didn't even see it. And it's like, how do I believe in this man, Jesus? And so this is right where they are. And some of them did. They believed in Jesus, and they gave their lives to Jesus thinking, man, this is great. But all of a sudden, they found out that everybody around them was not quite as thrilled as they were. Have you ever noticed that when you got saved, you think, oh, man, man, I, I'm free. Do you know, man, Jesus set me free. And you go home to tell your family and your friends, I got saved. I'm a Christian. And everybody's like, What? You're a what? You're, you're going to do what? You're not going to the bar no more? You're going to church? You're, you're, you're not, you're not going to do drugs anymore? You're going to read your Bible? What, what do you Christians do for fun? Holy cow. I mean, not everybody's excited about it like you are. Can you say Amen. And you could tell them, you could go, you don't understand. Man, I, my, life was, my life was horrible. My life was this and my, and Jesus set me free. You could, you know, once I was blind, but now I could see. And everybody's like, well, you know, there's a reason for that. Because you weren't really blind after all. 
You just thought you were. It was all in your head. Come on. It's human nature, man. It's human nature at the best. And you, cut, you walk away from that and you're feeling a little discouraged and you're going, well, you know, what's going on? Or better yet, you come into this place where somebody preaches the promises of God and they say, you know what? God will do this for you or God will do that. God will heal you. He'll deliver you. He'll provide for you. He'll give you direction. He'll do this. And you get a hold of it and you hang on to it and you go, you know what, God? I'm going to believe you. And God, I'm going to move in that and I'm going to walk in that. And now you're waiting. Not just a day or two, not just a week or two, not just a month or two. Some of you have been waiting for years. Calendar years have gone by. Decades have transpired. And you're waiting. And the devil's going, you are an idiot. You're a fool. You have bought into the greatest hoax ever per perpetrated on mankind. Why are you believing this? And you feel the persecutions. Other, other people mock you. They look at you and they say things. And you're sitting there and you've come to this place and you go, I just don't know what to do. And so the author of Hebrews, here's what he says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. Now this morning I have no idea what you're believing God for or what you're going through or what challenge has come into your life. But I can tell you this, it will all be worth it when the promise comes to pass. And let me say this to you, it is coming to pass. Here's the problem I think we are all facing I was thinking about this the other day, and I was just really kind of meditating on, you know, why we go through what we go through. And I, I like to call it the curse of the instant. I think this is our problem in this generation. Other generations may have had their problem, but I, I think this generation, this, this place where we are, it's, it's called the curse of the instant. See, we live in a time where the prevailing dynamic in our culture is faster is better. Amen. No matter what the situation is, we demand speed in everything we do. Isn't that right? Even to the point that we sacrifice quality over speed. Because no longer we're, are we willing to wait. We're just not willing to wait. We would rather, in general, have something of lesser quality if we can get it fast. Listen to what I'm saying. And really, this is nothing new. It began years ago with the microwave oven and TV dinners. So I, that's the one thing. I, I, there's a lot of things about getting older. I am not the ancient days by any stretch of the imagination, but like I've said before, there's enough life that has gone by in my life that I can actually look, at, look back at some things. I remember when microwaves came out. I remember the first microwave that my grandma got. I think it was in the 70s. The first one, I think it was like $4,000. And it weighed like about 9,000 pounds. You had, to have a micro, uh, you had to have a forklift to get it in your house. 
Do you remember TV dinners? I loved TV dinners. And the reason why is because back in the day, they made kid-style TV dinners, and they, 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 the, the packages were all colorful, and they had cartoon things, and they had like a little piece of chicken or the whatever. And, and TV dinners were great, but see, back then, you had, to, you, know, you had to put them in the oven and wait. But then when the microwave came, they, they made it where you could put it in the microwave, and what used to take 45 minutes to heat up now takes two minutes. <coughs> and it was like, this is great. This is wonderful. Gourmet food in the fraction of time. Amen. I've done enough of these diets, these mail-order food. That bring, we'll bring it right to your house. You would be better off eating the box it came in. It tastes better. It does, it's, you know, they tout it. It's, no, this is gourmet. And when you see it on TV, it's like, it's like chef prepared it. Then when you open up the box... It's like a monkey packed it. I mean, it's just all everywhere. You know, your Salisbury steak is on your corn, and your corn is over in your pudding, and, and you're going, what is going on? What's happened? It's not gourmet food. We even believe we're eating gourmet food. Oh, no, no, this is, this is made by Chef Boyardee. Who is Chef Boyardee? Is he really a chef? Kind of reminds me, what's the chef from the Muppets? Swedish chef. I saw a video the other day, he was cooking shrimp. And, he, and all you could understand is, ooh, shrimpy, shrimpy, shrimpy. Now we have the sitcom. In 23 minutes, our favorite characters go from crisis to solution with little or no effort. You say, I oh, know it's my show's a half hour. No, it ain't. It's 23 minutes because you got seven minutes of advertising telling you about the gourmet food you could cook in your microwave. I, the, one that, the, the one that always gets me is the diet pills that guarantee you're going to lose weight fast. So you, you look at, you get it, you spend $800 for 20 pills, and then they tell you, well, you got to take 10 a day, so you got two days' worth. And then you look on the back of the bottle, and it says, for best results, exercise and go on a diet. How about I get rid of the pills, go on exercise and diet, and save my money? But we buy into this. In one hour, a TV drama, you know, the crime, you know, the, the crime dramas, you know, like NYPD, Blue, or, or uh, uh, what's the, what's Law and Order, or I don't know them all, because I, 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 I watch cooking shows. I watch Beat Bobby Flay, and you know, uh, that's real TV right there, buddy, out there. Bless God. I don't know how Bobby Flay walks up to the people with nothing in his hand, but in the next scene, he's got all the food right there. It's like, there's no editing involved, right? One hour TV drama, they find out there's a crime, and the guy's in jail 48 minutes later. 
And this is just a very small representation of the dynamic we're living in. Now, I'm not coming against TVs or microwaves. I have both. Nor am I coming against the fact that we enjoy something that happens quickly, because I do too. But it has had unintended consequences. Listen to what I'm saying. As a culture, we've lost our ability to be patient. Understanding that some things take time. We have reduced our attention span to 30-second bite-sized nuggets of information. There's a new phenomenon. I don't suggest you look at it, but it's called TikTok. And it has these little tiny videos, just really quick. And they even got Christian videos on there. You can get your 30 seconds of Christianity. Boom, got it. But then you come to church, it's like, dear God, he preached 20 minutes. Or in my case, he preached 50 minutes. <laughs> it has muted our creativity because true creativity takes time. Some of the things we take for granted in our lives took years to develop in our lives. The point is, the unintended consequences have become a part of our Christianity. And in many ways, this is why we're not seeing the promises God has made fulfilled because we simply don't stay committed to what we're believing for. We exit out before we get the promise. We pray to God and expect an answer immediately. And when he does not answer, what we, we, what we do is we go, well, I guess that's that. God's not going to move for me. And we come up with all kinds of accommodating theologies to explain why God has not answered. And in the end, we become frustrated, discouraged, and unbelieving. We forget that the Bible is filled with people who waited and held on in spite of their problems, like Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, and many others, they held to their faith even when it seemed pointless and useless. See, Christianity without patience, learning to wait, is nothing. Even when it seems like God has forgotten, we need to hang on. Listen to these verses, Romans 8, 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That right there, my friends, is the secret to success in everything. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. If you do that, you win every time. Every time. Every time, without exception. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Isaiah 30, 18 says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Our text, Hebrews chapter 10, 35, and 36 is a strong encouragement that urges us never to quit, to never give in, to never give up. 
And to really understand the power of these statements, we need to look at some of the words that are used here because these words in the Greek are much bigger, much more um, poignant than our English words. He says in verse 35, he says, therefore do not cast away your confidence. The the words here, do not cast away, are, are taken from a Greek word that literally means to throw away or to discard or to get rid of something that is no longer desired, needed, or wanted. But there is more to that than just a casual throwing away of some sort of discarded piece of paper or something that's unwanted. There's an intensity in it all. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story that describes this action in detail. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 50, it says, Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat at the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, and he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded he be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Now listen. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Here is this man, blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting by the roadside begging, and life, no doubt, is tough for him. This is tough duty, and Jesus is passing by that day, and I am sure that he had heard the rumors about this man, Jesus, that he could heal, and today was going to be his day. Maybe it was that he would get healed, or just maybe Jesus would touch him, or or something would happen, so he began to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on on me. And the people tried to shut him up. Don't cry out. Don't talk to the master. Leave him alone. And he cried out even more. But then when Jesus stopped, it says, come here. The Bible says he throws aside his garment. And he rose and he came to Jesus. And this is the very picture of what the author of Hebrews is telling us not to do with our confidence. Bartimaeus didn't simply take off his garment and lay it aside, he very intensely and quickly tore it from his body and hurled it to the ground, and he set himself free from the garment. I wonder how many times, out of frustration, we have done that with our confidence because we've waited longer than we thought we should. For Bartimaeus, his garment was restricting him, and now it was in the way, and it was a bother. So in an act of desperation, he threw it off. He discarded it. And for many of us, we too, because we thought our confidence, our faith, was actually getting in the way. And we took it and we threw it off, believing a lie. We get so tired and frustrated waiting for God and his promises to come to pass. And we're tempted to chuck the whole faith thing and to forget the promises of God that we've been believing for many years. And so what we do is we do the unthinkable. We literally forsake the grace of God. You say, what do you mean? What we do is we cast it aside. We go, oh, the the Bible must not be true or, 
or I must be reading it wrong and interpreting it wrong. And so what we do is whatever it is, we reinterpret Scripture based on our present circumstance. And we throw aside our confidence and our faith because we have to wait. This word confidence is a Greek word that means boldness, and it depicts a very bold, frank, outspoken kind of language. It carries the meaning of being forthright, blunt, direct, and straight to the point. And in this verse, it refers to the bold, brave, fearless declaration of faith and the promises of God. I will be healed. Well, you're not now. You're right. But I will be. How do you know that? Because I have a promise. You've been waiting 10 years. Don't care. Don't care. If I wait 50, so what? I'm holding to the promise. I'm going to stand sure. See, church, we have to push back on this temptation that says throw it down. We have to hold back. I, don't, I can't explain the whys and the what fors, what the delays are about. I don't know. We could come up with all kinds of thoughts of why it's happening. I don't know. The truth is it's irrelevant. The point is hold to the promise. Trust him. Can you say amen? You say why? Because, listen, there's in the, the last part of verse 35 it says this. There is great recompense of reward. In, in, in the Amplified, it says this, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Rick Renner said this, The phrase recompense of reward is from a Greek word that means to reimburse for expenses you spent to do the job. It's a settlement to take care of injuries or losses or reparations to cover all that vanished due to war. If you will hold your ground, not only will you see your promise, you will be blessed and reimbursed for what it cost you to hold your ground. That's powerful, church. That's amazing to me. God is no debtor. He will not stand to owe anyone anything. He is faithful and he rewards those who stand in faith even when everything says quit. Don't let the devil talk you into tossing away your faith. You've waited too long. You've invested too much of your life into this promise. If you walk away from it now, if you walk away from it now, after waiting all these years, it'll literally mean it was for nothing. See, that's what the devil wants to convince you, is that waiting means it's for nothing. Nope. It's when you throw it away, it means nothing. Waiting means you're going to get reimbursed. It's coming all back. And as we bring this to a close, I want you to consider one more thing here. In verse 36, it spells out for us how to do this. He says, for you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. 
I'm amazed at the short-lived nature of some people's faith. I'm amazed at the short-lived nature of my faith. Church, you have to give faith time to work. And listen, faith and patience are partners. That's why he says you have need of patience. This word patience comes from a Greek word that means to stay or to remain or to continue or to permanently abide in one place. But it's not just simply standing still. The idea of this is being able to stand still while carrying a load. It's the idea of a pillar that holds up the weight of what is put upon it. And it does not move. I know sometimes waiting has got some weight of pressure. I know waiting sometimes feels like I don't know that I can make it. I don't know that I could do another thing. I don't know that I can extend another moment. But church, if you will put your eyes on Jesus, if you'll look back to him and realize he is there, that he is actually there with you, that he is there to comfort you, he is there to strengthen you, he's there to encourage you. I don't know the reason. I know that there's, I I ask the question, why? Why do I got to wait? Why? I, I, I oftentimes in the Bible find there's stories, probably one of the more famous story that kind of trips me up is the story of Joseph. Bible talks about Joseph. He has this dream, or a couple of them, and he's so excited about him. He goes to his brothers. He figured they would be excited about the dreams, but they weren't. They beat him up, throw him in a well, pull him out, sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt at Potiphar's house, does really well, becomes the master of the house. But then Potiphar's wife, she's kind of sleazy, makes the moves on him, accuses him of something he doesn't do. He ends up in prison for 15 years. And every, every preacher in the world will preach, God was getting Joseph to Egypt. And I'm like, you know, God, you could go, you're in Egypt. He did it before. You could have just, you could have just, why put me through this? Why, why did you have to put Joseph through all of that? And I don't know on this side of the equation we will ever have an answer that's adequate to, to, to completely satisfy our curiosity. I do know God has a plan, and there are purposes for everything he does, but I don't always understand. I can't always see. But Joseph, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he waited I'm certain that there were days, dark days in prison where he struggled knowing that he was an innocent man, knowing that he was there unjustly, knowing that, you know what, if I'd have, I'm certain that there were days that we would thought back, if I'd have just kept my mouth shut. You ever had that thought? If I would have just not told him, man, just why did you have to give me that dream? Can you imagine what was going on in his head about that dream? You gave me this dream, and now is this what you meant? Did I interpret the dream wrong? Did I, did I, what were, what's going on? Yet he held to the stuff, didn't he? As far as we know, as far as what we're told, he did it with a good attitude. 
He endured under the pressure, even when he was forgotten in prison. Yeah, there was a couple guys in there that he really, really helped out. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go to Pharaoh and we'll talk to him. We'll plead your case. And they didn't. They forgot about him. It wasn't until years later that they caught up with him. And I don't understand all the ins and outs of that. But I know this, he held his ground. And he waited, and there was a steadfastness, a continuous abiding in him. You know, right now we are living in some very weird times. And it's amazing to me as I watch. Well, I'll tell you what's not so amazing is the world. It's not so amazing because the Bible is fairly clear. It predicted all of it. And so you look around and you go, well, that makes sense. You know, the world is going nuts. But what don't make sense to me, I should say what doesn't make sense to me, I'm, I'm trying to be better in my English, is the Christians. It just doesn't make sense. You say, what do you mean? It seems like we are trying to hunt down some sort of meaning out of all of this. It's pretty clear. He said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. I mean, I, I, it's not a secret. It's perilous times will come. They're here. And then we, 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 we go to work doing all these calisthenics and these different things, everything from building bunk, bunkers and collecting guns and ammunition and, you know, all the way to being politically nuts. And we, we go on and on and do all this stuff as if we're going to stop it. <laughs> He's the one that said it, not me. And you say, well, well what am I going to do to survive it? I'll tell you. Wait for the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer. So, well, well that sounds kind of wimpy. Rejoicing in hope when you can't see any. It's tough duty. Patient in tribulation. When they're attacking you and you hold your ground and go, that's okay, I love you anyway. Corey Tin Boom, standing before the German guard of the camp that killed her sister, looked at him and said, I forgive you. <laughs> when I grow up, that's tough duty. Constant in prayer. See, the secret to all of this church is relationship. And as we close, I want to take you back to Psalm 13. And I just want to remind you of David's words again. Listen to verses 1 through 4, just real quick. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. 
And my enemies will say, I have prevailed. And my foes will rejoice because I'm shaken. Now listen to verses 5 and 6, the rest of the chapter. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Sometimes it's as simple as a change of perspective. But let me tell you, the change of perspective you need will only come through your relationship with him. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you so much, God, for the truth of your word. Father, help us not to be victims of the insanity and the curse of the instant. Father, that we would be able to, through your spirit and with your encouragement and your strength, be able to hold our ground, to wait on you. Father, help us to resist the temptation to question you and your sincerity and your promises to us every time we see a delay. But Father, that we would trust you with all our heart, that we would not lean to our own understanding, but that we would acknowledge you in all our way, knowing that you will direct our path, that we would not be wise in our own eyes, but we would fear the Lord and depart from evil, that it may be strength to our flesh and health to our bones. And Father, we give you glory today. And I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you would like to give your life to Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Lift it up real quickly. Hallelujah. Give your life to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can look up at me this morning. You know what, this morning, I, I hope this has encouraged you, and I hope to some degree it's challenged you to, to just wait on the Lord. To wait. I, I, I Like I said, this is, I'm, this is where God's got me. This is Him speaking to me. And so I just want to encourage you to to consider this and to think about what he's saying. Can you say amen? Our ministry team is going to come, so if they would come up front and you say, well, what's the ministry team about? If you need prayer or anything, come on up, let them pray for you. They'll, they'll minister to you. Let's stand to our feet, and we're going to release you, let you go. Uh, actually, next week's going to be part two, so be encouraged. We're going to have a good time next week. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.
Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.